Chris deserves all the grief I can give him. <laughs> I was talking with uh, Dave Herman just a little bit ago. Dave and I were seminary in seminary together way back in uh, <clears throat> a few years ago. <laughs> and uh, he, was, he was saying, who'd ever thought that uh, we'd reconnect uh, here at Parish Church? We, uh, we served, our, our, our ministry years are about the same, but we never saved, served in the same district and I never was privileged to have uh, David as my district superintendent. So it's kind of good to reconnect every now and then with him and Sharon and, and, and all of that. Um, I worry about Chris. He, he, he doesn't learn from previous mistakes. If, if he did, I wouldn't be here. So... I, uh, I have two pieces of jewelry in my wardrobe. My, my wedding ring and, and my watch. That's not there. <laughs> I, I hardly wear the watch, except when I get dressed up to go out to be with, <laughs> with people. And, when I, and, when, and especially when I'm going to speak. This morning, I put it on and I looked at it and it was three days ago, according to the calendar, the battery had died. And, and, and I got to thinking about, now how am I gonna know what time it is so I know when I'm smart enough to sit down and shut up? So there's a nice big clock back there and I appreciate that very much, but it reminds me of a story it could have happened to David. It, it could have been David when he was a teenager and he had a friend who was a Catholic boy and David didn't know anything about the Catholic Church and the little boy didn't know anything about the Protestant Church. So since they were buddies, they decided they'd go to each other's church on Sunday morning. So one Sunday, they went to the Catholic Church and they're sitting there and the priest is going through the, through the rituals and the beauty and the pageantry of, of all that our, our Catholic brothers and sisters have as part of their tradition. And David kept asking his friend, what does that mean? What does that mean? What does that mean? And his friend would tell him. The next week they went to the, they went to the Methodist church that David went to and the, the preacher got up to preach, made a big to-do of taking his watch off and laying it on the pulpit so everyone could see. And the little Catholic boy turned to David and said, what does that mean? David said, not a thing. <laughs> So I, I, are, I are a grandparent, yeah, which is not bad, except it's tough when I realize I'm married to a grandmother. <laughs> and, and in Judy's case, a great-grandmother on her side of, 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 the, of the situation. And, and when I realize that, every now and then I get to thinking about my two older grandchildren of the five, Ryan and Cassidy, remember being there when they were, when they were born, they were in the hospital, as many of you were there for your grandchildren and, and, and all of that. And now Ryan is, is in college 
And Cassidy is going to be a senior next year. And I got to thinking about <laughs> the, the day that Cassidy brings home that special someone to meet Chris and Tony. Grandparents, you've been there, you, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, you, you, you're, you're there and you meet uh, your grandchilds and uh, special someone, and do you remember what your reaction was as you <laughs> thought about that? Now, now, this has not happened. This has not happened. No rumors. This has not happened. This is my weird fantasies. And it goes like this. Cassidy and that special someone sit down to dinner with Tony and Chris. And after dinner, Chris takes the young man into the study for the talk. <laughs> and Chris says to him, well, what, what are your plans? The young man says, well, I, 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 think, I think I'm going to be a biblical scholar. Chris just looks at him. says, Really? That's interesting. Well, well, what what are your what are your plans about about my daughter? And uh, are are you going to get her an engagement ring? And the young man says, "Well, uh, God will provide." Chris kind of looks at him and says, "And and and what about supporting a family, taking care of?" Of, of children. Young man says, well, I will study and God will provide. Well, well what, what, what about a home? Young man said, don't worry, sir. God will provide. So after a few more questions like that and getting similar answers, God will provide, God will provide. They wrapped up the conversation and the young man and Cassidy went on their way for the evening and Chris and Tony are there in the house. Tony says to Chris, well, how did it go? Chris says, well, he has no job. He has no plans. He has no money. And he thinks I'm God. I, I can't tell you what a, what a joy it is for me to uh, share this time with you all. Uh, nobody threw anything at the first service, and I assume that that'll be the same here. I was in a conversation not too long ago with a very opinionated friend. And by opinionated, I mean he was the kind of individual who was not content to let the conversation end until you agreed with him. You, do you know anybody like that? You, you know, they just, uh, they, they can't let it go. The, you have got to wholeheartedly sell out. And, and so I wasn't doing that. I, I wasn't playing into his particular uh, storyline. And, and he got kind of frustrated with me. And finally, in exasperation, he played his ace card. And he said, well, Richard, 
everybody knows. And then he proceeded to tell me what everybody knew. The only problem was uh, I didn't know it, I didn't believe it, and I thought that I was part of everybody. So I thought that for a few moments this morning, I would delve into some of the things that everybody knows. For example, if you ask the average person out on the street, or even in the church pew or chairs, what was the fruit that Adam and Eve ate in the Garden of Eden? What do you think the typical answer would be? The apple. Sure, everybody knows that, except they didn't. And now at the first service, there was a young lady sitting there, and when I said, they didn't, she said, what? <laughs> it was perfect. It was wonderful. No, Adam and Eve didn't eat of any apple. In fact, we don't know what the fruit was that they ate. Genesis 2-7 just says that they were not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Everybody knows that George Washington had wooden teeth. Everybody knows that, except he didn't. The teeth he had were made of gold and ivory and lead. Any dentists in here? Lead and real teeth from animals and humans. Ew. Here's another one. Everybody knows there were three wise men that went to the manger. Their names were Gaspar, Balthazar, and Melchior. Pure fiction. Pure fiction. Names didn't come along until centuries later. But everybody knows there were three. Why? Because every church in Christendom can find at least three bathrobes and three kids to wear them. <laughs> Wait till you hear this one. Everybody knows that scientists who have studied the situation have said that bumblebees cannot fly. Somebody was talking to me at the early service about some airplane. Sam, you may know what... what. Pardon? The spruce goose. Okay. That huge thing by Howard Hughes that said it would never get off the ground. It got off the ground, but didn't stay up in the air very long. Anyway, scientists have said bumblebees cannot fly. Everybody knows that, except it's an urban legend. But supposedly, scientists have studied the, the, the strength of the wings, the surface area of the wings, and concluded that the bumblebee is built all wrong and therefore cannot possibly fly. Well, if everybody knows that, that's great, but it's apparently, in, as I said, an urban legend. But if it's true that science in all its wisdom said bumblebees cannot fly, you'd be surprised, wouldn't you? I, I can tell by the silence. You're surprised. Think about how the bumblebee feels. Science is saying to the bumblebee, you better get used to walking. <laughs> and meanwhile, God is saying, get out there and pollinate. Why do you think I gave you wings? And the unfortunate bumblebee is going to have to decide who is going to be believed, God or the wisdom of man.
Well, if everybody knows that science may have said that bumblebees can't fly, then perhaps, just perhaps, God made a mistake when he built the critter. I mean, science you can't argue with. And, and if science says the bumblebee can't fly, well, maybe God made a mistake about that, and, and maybe God's been wrong about other things as well. At least, Paul the Apostle says, that's how the world reasons. So look at our text for the morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning at verse 20. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand miraculous signs and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. A stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles, but to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So consider the cross. It's ridiculous on the face of it for the king of glory to die nailed to a piece of wood. Surely God made a big mistake on that one. Seriously, who can possibly accept the crucifixion as an act of salvation. Well, Paul says, certainly not the Jews. Everybody knows that when Messiah comes, everybody knows that when Messiah comes, he's going to come in power, not servitude. He's going to arrive robed in majesty, crowned with glory, armed with a song of righteous wrath arriving on a, on a magnificent steed, not some lowly donkey. Everyone knows God would never send his anointed one into the world to suffer and die at the hands of sinners. And even scripture taught that. Doesn't Deuteronomy 21, 23 say that anyone hung on a tree is cursed by God? For God to allow the Savior of the world to suffer that kind of humiliation is absolute divine foolishness. Well, if the cross was hard for the Jews to swallow, the Gentiles positively gagged. In Greek wisdom, God was perfect. God was above human feelings. God was above human emotions. God did not care. They could not believe that God could have the kind of love that would lay the crossbeam of a cross 
on the shoulders of his own messenger. God would never dirty his hands by getting involved in human history. It was unthinkable that the Creator could suffer for any reason. The eye, in, in the eyes of the Greeks as well as the Jews, the whole concept was absolutely ridiculous. And Paul would write, But to those who are being saved, the message of the cross is the power and the wisdom of God revealed. To those who are being saved, it is the message of God's power and wisdom being revealed. Christians have learned that the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom. But in the eyes of the world, the church is further proof of God's foolishness. Think, think about what, what, as Christians, we are hearing from, from media these days about Christianity and about the church and about, about the way the world looks at us all around the world, believers. Look around you, Paul says. Not many of you are rich or powerful or socially influential, yet God called you and he calls us to become the church and spread the good news. Now, I don't, I don't know about you, but, but if it was up to me, when the church was getting started, I would have started it a whole lot differently. I, I, I would have started it with uh, influential people, wise people, the, the Bill Gates of the day, the, the folks with the deep pockets. I, I would have had a member of the Sanhedrin or two, um, Roman senator or two. But, but look, look at who God used, if, if I can use the word, a bunch of nobodies, a carpenter, a handful of fishermen, a tent maker, and lest we forget, women. How foolish. The world says that life in Christ is an exercise in folly. For our salvation, we look to one who would not even save himself from death on a cross. At our own expense, we try to ease the needs of others. Think about the ministries that go on at this church day in and day out, week in and, and week out. The food ministry, the thrift store, the missions, the ways in which this church, this congregation, tries to ease the burdens and the sufferings of others. Do we do it perfectly? No. Are we able to ease all of the, all of the situations? No. But it's more than enough that we try. We study the words of people who have been dust for centuries, believing that their lifeless words reveal a living Lord. We gather for preaching. Can you believe it? We gather for preaching, which surely in today's economy of computers and internet and, and social media must be out outdated. We pray together, confessing our foolish belief that God has more power to shape the world and the lives of people than all the politicians and all the armies that have ever lived or marched. You may not be familiar with the name Gustavo Gutierrez. He's a Latin American author and scholar. 
And he defines spirituality like this. Simply following Jesus. Spirituality, he said, is simply following Jesus. Gutierrez was at Temple University speaking, and a Jewish man who was a member of the board came up to him afterwards and said, I must tell you why I am not a follower of Jesus. And he proceeded to tell Gutierrez this, I am not a follower of Jesus because I am impressed to the degree to which people who say they are do not follow Jesus. And I always thought that's what a Christian was. Let it percolate. I am impressed to the degree that people who say they are Christians do not follow the one who bears the name Christ. Well, we forgive him for misunderstanding, don't we? But maybe he didn't misunderstand. Maybe he saw all too, all too clearly the stumbling block for our generation. Could it be that he saw so many people paying lip service to being Christian, but not practicing it, not living it? We are a people full of pride about what we know, supposedly even about bumblebees. Think about all the stuff you have learned across the years of your life. And try now to estimate all the things that our children and our grandchildren have in front of them to learn. The amount of knowledge we possess is absolutely staggering, but it is probably a mere drop in the bucket of what is still out there to learn. We can try to measure what we know, but how do you measure what you don't know? No wonder wisdom and knowledge is such a valuable commodity. But even though there has been a, an incredible increase in scientific and, and technological and medical knowledge, to name just a few areas, common sense, common sense wisdom seems to have fallen by the board. Moral wisdom doesn't seem to have kept pace. If anything, our understanding of what we're doing and why we are doing it seems to decrease as our practical knowledge increases. And the more learned we become in the things of the world, the less we see the need for the wisdom and knowledge that comes from faith in God. But it's not just our generation. In Romans 1.22, Paul calls attention to the dilemma caused by the wisdom of the day by saying this, Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. And I love the way the Jerusalem Bible translates that verse. The more they call themselves philosophers, the more stupid they grew. There are many things we thought we knew because the wisdom of the world says it is so, only to have those things proven wrong. And those silly bumblebees go right on flying despite what's said about their aerodynamics. 
Those who think they know claim the cross is folly, but the Christian goes on believing because we know that the foolishness of God is wiser by far than the wisdom of the world. The world's wisdom tells us, love things, use people. God's word tells us the opposite. The reason our country, our world, I believe, is in the state that it's in is precisely because things are being loved and people are being used. So the next time someone tells you God's word is ridiculous and today's wisdom is vastly superior to that of Paul's time, just point to the bumblebee and remind him may not be as smart as he thinks he is. Amen? Amen. Amen.